Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Welcome to another episode of the Sales IQ Podcast. What a week. So much going on, and pumped as always to have you join us for this week's episode. This week's episode is all about maximizing the outcomes through phone outreach. It's a great topic, especially given the chatter online about phone versus social. Our guest this week is Morgan J. Ingram, LinkedIn top voice in 2018, Director of Sales Execution and Evolution at J. Barrow's Sales Training. Morgan is also a keynote speaker and host of the SDR Chronicles podcast, and is a sales guy who started as an SDR and has built an awesome career and now teaches others how to be the best they can in their respective sales role. This is a great episode where we break down some of the myths of using the phone and techniques that will help you drive a better result through your outreach attempts. Please love your feedback. So if you can jump on iTunes and rate us, also jump on LinkedIn and like our company page, Sales IQ Group where we share some great content from many of our guests and we have some awesome stuff we're working on we will be sharing on this platform. That's enough for me for today as I'm sure you want to get straight into today's episode. Let's get into this episode with Morgan. Morgan, thanks for joining us today, mate. Before we get into today's hot topic, share with us how you started in the world of sales. Yeah, so context uh, for me, it's probably every single person that I've ever talked to pretty much fell into sales. I don't think I found a person who's been like, yep, sales, I was born for it. Let's get to it. I, I haven't found that person yet. So yeah. just like everybody else, yeah. fell into sales, uh, first started off as an as SDR. So as a sales development representative, focusing on breaking into net new accounts through social selling emails and through phone calls. And I was in that role for a year at a company called Terminus, a startup here in Atlanta. And through that, I started, I started a YouTube channel called the SR Chronicles, now a podcast. And that's where my brand uh, really elevated. And from there, became a manager of sales development reps, had a team of 13. Yeah. And then now I work with John Barrow. So Jay Barrow Sales Training, I now travel the world and train teams on prospecting and sales development, obviously SDR teams, but that does not exclude the full sales cycle AEs and also AEs and other companies who may need that prospecting training. Yep. So that's where my experience is coming from. Uh, that's how I got my start in sales. It was pretty much an accident. I cold called the director of sales at Terminus to get this job because I felt like sales was something I wanted to learn more about. Yep. And for me, I, I enjoy it because it's really a, it's a puzzle and a game that's ongoing and you have to continuously learn. And the more that you learn, the more that you earn. So I like roles like that. So that's what I'm <laughs> That's why I'm really focused on sales. That's why I'm really passionate about it. And that's where my experience is coming from. Ah, that's awesome. Um, and what was the biggest challenge that you faced when you first sort of fell into sales? It's a good question. I think for me, it was getting into something that I wasn't – getting into something where it took me a while to understand. So yeah. for me, I know for stuff it takes me a while to understand, but – in sales, it takes a lot to understand, and you're also getting punched in the mouth while you're trying to, <laughs> while you're trying to understand it, right? It's a, you know, you're getting rejected, yeah. you're getting slant, you don't know why things aren't working, right? So the hardest thing for me was, what's my process, what's my flow of what I need to do to be successful? That was the hardest thing for me. Um, but then once I got a grasp on that, I became a lot more comfortable in my role, and I continue to get more comfortable as time goes on. Yeah, awesome. And what, where, where did it, um, 
you know, when did you sort of, or, or how, what inspired you to focus on building capability within that SDR function of the sales process? I was, the, it was the only place I could start sales. So <laughs> <laughs> there was no real, there was no inspiration on being an SDR at all. Yeah. Um, I, it was just the only job that I really could get to get into sales. Like nobody would take me on as like an eight year closing role. So yeah. First thing I had to go do was an SDR role, so that pretty much got into that and All right. became something that I became passionate. So you, you you jumped into the SDR. There's a bunch of SDRs. Um, were you working alongside other SDRs or were you on your own? Yes. Okay. Other SDRs. And what I suppose what were you doing to get results versus the others? What were you doing differently? I had a strategic process and I knew exactly what I did to do. So more so, I I knew different avenues to prospect. I knew what I knew. I could find different lists. Yeah. Um. I was coming in earlier. I was staying in late. Obviously, that's just hard work. Yeah. And then I was just always testing stuff out. Um. A lot of reps just kind of stuck in the motions of, hey, I'm showing up nine to five. I'm gonna do my thing and hopefully it works. I just wasn't that person. And I always push myself to learn more and also to do more. And that's really what I separated the pack. But I just had a really really streamlined process yeah like every month i just front loaded a lot of stuff like i knew what accounts i was reaching out to i knew what job titles i was going after i was very focused in on that and how focused i was on it helped me get those results that i was looking for so that more so is what helped me get better in the role and get me better where i needed to go yeah awesome so the attitude was really a, a key part of your success yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. So, mate, you you would have seen uh, as a you know top voice of LinkedIn, and you're 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 um, uh, an awesome contributor on that platform. You will notice there's a lot of debate around sort of the effectiveness of effectiveness of cold calling at the moment, and that you know heaps yep. of, heaps of pros out there are saying, mate, it's dead. Um, there's other ways to generate appo- appointments, etc. In your opinion, and based on what you see, training other SDRs and actually doing that function yourself. Um, how important is the phone as a tool for salespeople to generate, you know, warm prospects and opportunities? Uh, it's it's critical, and the reason I say it's critical is because it's the most controllable aspect you have when it comes to prospecting. I can't control how someone looks. I can't control how someone reads an email. I can't control how someone looks at a video or social. But I can't control what's happening on the phone because I can hear tone. I can handle objections. I can push. I can pull back. Yeah. So. By understanding how to have those conversations, it also teaches you to build business acumen and have active listening skills, which is that if you're an SDR and you're moving to AE role, that's highly critical. Yeah. So most people don't have that process, which is why they fall off, right? Yeah. So really what people have to understand is as AI evolves and as people start not trust email or don't read them, to get someone on the phone obviously is a lot harder. It's not easier, but it's harder. But if you under if you can actually be a good rep and you have confidence in what you're saying, you're going to do better than everybody else because most people just don't know how to make call calls and they're not confident. Yeah. And so I say it's a critical skill because it's just going to get more important as more people um, can do that. Yeah. So it's important. I love that. It's the most controllable part. You know, I never thought about it like that. Um, core reluctance. Um, a lot of I find that a lot of salespeople suffer from core reluctance. Um, talk to us about you know if you ever suffered from core reluctance, or what are some of the things that you teach others to to move past core reluctance. So when give me so give me in context here. When you say call reluctance, that's more so I just don't want to make calls. Yeah, or like I'm nervous to make calls. Yeah, they they find every reason why not to make a call. I'll send an email. I'll send a social invitation. Um, I'm doing everything but making phone calls. Yeah, so I, I think at the end of the day, 
I think you just have to be real with yourself. I mean, if you're trying to be a number one rep and you're not making calls, I'm just kind of confused. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> just another part of the function of what you need to do to be successful, right? Yeah. But I think when it comes down to the people, the reason why people don't call or have call reluctance is because they don't understand what to say. So it's just like, think about it. It's just like going on a date. Like <laughs> most people are afraid of talking to girls because they don't know what to say. Yeah, it's not that because they're afraid of the girl; they just don't know what they're going to say <laughs> when they when they actually talk to her. Yeah, like why are people afraid to swim? Cause they don't know how to swim, right? It's all that stuff. So yeah. the reason that people are have call reluctance is because they're afraid of whether they don't know what to say when they're on the phone and they don't know their intro cause it's weak. Their value prop is maybe they don't, they need to enhance it and do better there. And then also they have no recollection of how to handle objections because they just weren't taught. So the reason that people have call reluctance is because they don't have the information to be confident in what they're doing. Okay. So it's really getting the competence which will build the confidence. Absolutely. Because if, because if I know, Hey, I got to say these things when I get on a call and I know at least the results, you won't be afraid of cold calling. Now, when I make a cold call, I'm, I mean, I, I still feel that like, you know, dang, like, okay. Like I still feel it. Like yeah. I'm making a cold call. It's like you get a slight anxiety, nervousness, whatever. But I know if I get someone on the phone, I'm not going to, I'm not going to freak out because I know what, I know what I need to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's sick. Okay. So, all right, so look, I'm a I'm a guy, I'm a sales guy, I'm a sales, you know, sales um, female, about to make a call, right? But I've still got that um, that negative mindset of you know I've got my script, etc. But I'm I'm still I'm still worried about making the call. How do we you know show up with a positive mindset? What are some simple things that we can do to get ourselves in the most uh, you know because positive positive mindset possible? Yeah. So power hour is one. I would highly encourage that. So what, what does that mean? So power hour means that like you have your entire team make calls for an hour, get the energy pumped up, get people jacked up, play some music. I don't care what you do. Yeah. That's one thing to really get people involved. Um, another thing that you can do is have a call blitz with one, one rep to another rep. So one rep and another rep make calls back to back yep. so that they can hear mistakes. Yeah. Another thing that we did within my organization is we had something called the bulldozer challenge. <laughs> so basically when you basically get just rushed off the phone and you have no chance to talk, whoever basically got just destroyed the most on the phone <laughs> would get a bulldozer and you would win the award. So it gives people basically, Hey, it's okay to fail. It's yeah. okay to get like basically run over. And then additionally you find a time slot that you make calls in. So you're confident. Hey, from 9 to 10.30, I got to make calls so I can be confident in what I'm saying. Yeah. I love the bulldozer challenge. I've never actually heard of that. Yeah, it's a cool one. Yeah, because that's <laughs> sort of like celebrating, you know, failure. Because I've had days where I've been hot, you know, I'm making a call. Every call I make, yeah. I get the outcome. Then I've had days, it's just been a grind. So <laughs> I love that, the bulldozer challenge. So, Absolutely. So let's break it down. I mean, you've already spoken about heaps of stuff. Understand what to say. Intro, value prop, handling objections. Um, let's break the cold calling process down. So, what's the first step we must do when making a call? You got to figure out what your intro is. Okay, intro. So, like, what are you saying? So, for example, an intro I would do would be, "Hi, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. Give you a few moments." So, the reason I do that is provoking curiosity. Now, if they say, like, who are you, what are you doing, or, you know, no, or they say, yeah, it doesn't really matter. As long as they don't say no and hang up, they've given you the right to now speak. And so that allows for the rep to have time to have confidence and actually have a flow in what they're saying. Okay. So you have to have some type of strong intro. It could be that. It could be, hi, Bob, you don't know me. I don't know you. However, the reason for my call is, boom, go straight into it. Whatever you want to do, 
you got to find out what that strong intro is, that provokes curiosity, yeah. and not like, ha, is this a bad time, yeah, right? yeah, or yeah. is this a good time? It's never a good time, right? So stuff like that. Yeah, okay. So we get the intro right. We have a strong, you know, provocative thought. In a recent webinar um, that you conducted, you spoke about the right message to, you know, to a target persona. Um, do you mind sharing with us a simple process in building out what your target persona is? Yeah, I mean, if you already know, I guess it depends, right? Yeah. If you're a startup, you probably don't know your target persona, and there's a ton of things you have to do <clears throat> that just wouldn't that would be super detailed in this entire conversation right now yeah. that would be predicated on your market and stuff like that. So that's a whole different conversation. But let's say if you already have your personas mapped out, like it comes down to really three to five personas. What are those three to five personas? And this understanding, what are those challenges and priorities? What are the solutions that you're predicating to? And then also what's the result and what's the attention grabber? So you got to figure out that to then create that message that's going to resonate. Okay. So when it really comes down to really figure out your challenges and priorities and then do that in a way that's going to hit home with each one of those personas. So it's just really figuring out within your CRM database customers that you sold and then leveraging that information and then moving forward. If you don't know what those are, you're going to have to do a lot more reaching out to figure out what the result's going to be. Okay. So if I'm a salesperson or a sales pro professional or SDR, um, AE, et cetera, and my company doesn't have personas, would you um, advocate that I should do some research to determine at least some of the basics of the people that I'm calling, the different types of people we're calling? Yeah, I mean, if you don't know them at all, like you're pretty much kind of shooting from the hip. Okay. So when that happens, it's normally you're just you're gonna have to just send out emails, and they're gonna have to be. Unfortunately, it's got to be a batch of blast because you just don't know who the real personas are, um, and that just comes down to talking to the CEO, talking to the market, who are people that are interested, who have you talked to, who who do you think they are, right? It's just gonna be a lot harder because you just don't know who the personas are yet, for specifically yet. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, yeah, okay, and then. All right, well, so we make the intro. Um, they haven't you know, hung up, so they've um, given us the right to continue talking. Um, tone and pace. Your opinion, how important is it to leverage um, your tone, pace when engaging you know, at that initial stage of the phone call? Super critical. Um, obviously, as you guys hear me right now, I talk pretty fast, mm. but on phone calls, I actually talk super slow. Yeah. Um, my voice changes depending on who I'm talking to. Yeah. And that's not to be fake. It's just a chameleon. Like People feel comfortable in the state of the voice that they feel that they're talking in. Yeah. So if I talk super fast and someone's super slow, they're going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> if I talk super slow and someone's super fast, they're going to be uncomfortable. If someone's really energetic and I'm to the point they're not going to resonate with that someone's to the point and i'm energetic they're going to be like what's going on yeah so i have to predicate my tone my voice to the person that receives on that phone call and then be on pace with them so that i can lead them to obviously selling them the meeting yeah and obviously getting that time on the calendar yeah awesome how do you like i mean i know that i found it difficult when i because i'm i'm a fast talker right i just love, i love to go um did you find it difficult to slow down at first yeah, it was it was very difficult because I talk super fast naturally, and yeah. I don't, I didn't realize it until someone pointed it out. You know, I just talk like normal, like it was. This is what I do. So when someone obviously points something out, you realize, oh shoot, I got to slow down. Yeah. And so the the more excited I get, the faster I talk. Yeah. Um, and the more that comes into my head, basically my, I mean, my brain's been a thousand million miles a minute, but my mouth was not able to keep up with it because there's so <laughs> much going on, and I want to be able to get all my points out. Yeah. And so what I, yeah. And so what I had to do was just on cold calls. I just kind of had to take a 
take a moment after when someone said something to process myself and then articulate in a way that came off across that was just in confidence. Yeah. Okay. So you kind of just developed a technique to slow down. Yes, that I had to. Yeah. I mean, it was more so just like I had to slow down or I was not going to get my point across and people were just going to continuously look at me crazy. Yeah. yeah. All right. So yes. we've, we're breaking it down. We've, we've done the persona. We've got some time. We, we know the message that provokes thought. So we're in the call. What are some questions that we can ask to pique the customer's interest and really engage them? So, again, this is predicated on your – market yep. is a predicate on your persona. So I'm not going to have the go-to silver bullet answer here. Yeah. Um, but what you need to, let's talk about high level. So what you need to think about is a leading question. So what's that go-to question that you're going to have that's going to lead into something deeper. So for me, like let's say if I'm calling someone a VP of sales enablement, more so what I'm going to say is how are you currently addressing enablement within your organization when you hire new reps? It's a good question. So they might be like, well, we're doing playbooks. We have this tool. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm trying to figure that out. Yep. Or it could be or think about it in this way. It could be how are you currently achieving whatever X priority, right? That's yeah. that's important. Or you could be like, where are you currently at in developing X tool X process with X tool, right? I'm just throwing out random yeah, examples of those two awesome. questions. Yeah. But you guys get the gist. Like the thing is you have to ask open ended questions to get an open ended answer. If you ask a closed ended answer, like, are you looking at this specifically? Mm. It's like they might go like no and now you're stuck. So you gotta more so have to be like, How are you doing this? Um, where are you doing this? When are you trying to do something like this? And that more so gives you a better answer to then layer on top of. Yeah, man. I wish I had my bell because there, there's some to ring the bell because there's some awesome sort of statements to to really um, you know get the dialogue get the dialogue happening. Um, and objections. You mentioned earlier you spoke about intro value prop handling objections. Um, can you maybe share with us a little bit more about some strategies that you use to, to work through objections? Yeah, give me an objection. Um, well, you know, the objection of time constantly comes up. I haven't got the time for this um, is one. Um, obviously, we've got another provider is another one. So uh, let's, let's focus on time first and then let's look at provider. All right, time. So let's say someone says I don't have the time for this. Yeah. I go... I get that. I talk to a lot of people like yourself and normally I know there's a lot of priorities and projects that are going on. Um, if you give me 30 seconds to explain my value prop, um, we can determine if it's good yeah. and you like it. We can throw time on the calendar. If not, you can hang up on me. I use that every <laughs> single time. Man, that's pretty much give me 30 seconds. All right. Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty much how to handle that one. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. And then I've, yeah. I've already got a vendor that provides this solution. So this one again, this is context, right? Because I, I normally would if it's if you know, like if it's a one to one, like if you're in a company and you know your biggest competitors, the other company, yeah. if they say that, you normally know who it is. So you can either directly attack it and be like, oh, are you currently using so and so? Or what you can do is, hey, great, great, great to hear that you already invest in technology because you know people you work with. It's great to hear that they're already you know moving the needle on that. And then the question you ask is, on a scale of one to ten, how comfortable are you with that solution? Now, most people are gonna, most people won't do this, but some people will answer ten, and then you know at that point it's like, are you you really think it's a ten? Like you got to challenge that because no one really thinks anything's a ten. <laughs> but when you ask one to ten, they might go like eight, and they go, okay, so eight to ten, what's the gap there that you know we could fill for our solution to help you? Yeah. And then most likely they'll give you some reasons, um, but it more so just comes into really going back to what I said earlier. It's just saying, hey, look, you know, great that you're already 
invested into a solution. You know, this is what we provide. Based on what I just told you in this value prop, do you feel like we can add an extra benefit? Yeah. That's another avenue you can take. I'm giving a lot of people different avenues here. Yeah. Another avenue you can take is, hey, great, great to hear that you're already investing into other technologies. I speak to a lot of, or you could be like, I spoke to Bob from X company last week, and he told me that every leader should be figuring out what are the best tools they can fit in their tech stack to make their team the most effective and also decrease time that they're spending on projects. So based on that conversation I had with Bob last week, can we schedule time for 30 minutes to have a conversation to see, hey, I know you already have a tool that you invested into to make sure that you have the best tool in market for your role. Yeah. That's another avenue that I take. Yeah, these are awesome. And so, okay, we've gone to time, we've gone to vendor, you know, you've really, we're handling some good objections. What about the old one, you know, that constantly comes up where they go, Oh, look, not for another three to six months. Great. This is my favorite one. So someone says six months. Okay. Understandable. I know I talk to a lot of people like yourself. They're busy. They're pushing. They want to push things out. They want to make sure they can value in the right time. Yeah. So you can go different avenues here. One avenue you can go into is say, okay, in six months, what's going to between, what's going to change between now and then you can just stop there. Yeah. Or if you want to be a little bit more, I don't say I don't think it's pushy. I say this and like I just say how you deliver this. What's going to change between now and then that's preventing you from having this meeting today? Yeah. So I use that, and then let's say six months. They're like, "Hey, Morgan, we're hiring people. There's a lot of stuff going on. Really reach out to me in six months." Okay, cool. So when I reach out to you in six months, what's the subject line that I need to put in the email when I reach back out to make sure? that it doesn't get flooded in your inbox because I know that you get a lot of emails every single day. And then they may, they may say, okay, a brief subject line is Jackie Chan, SpongeBob SquarePants. It doesn't really <laughs> matter, right? They, they yeah. say that, right? And so now we have an agreed subject line. So when I reach out in six months, and always reach out a month, I always half a month. So I'll probably reach out in three to four months, not actually six months, because I want to be yeah. early than, than on time. And then when I reach out with that, they're going to remember, oh, yeah, I remember. they might not even remember the conversation, but at least you have an agreed subject line. You yeah. can follow up on it on that email. I'm like, hey, remember when we agreed on the subject line? Can you please respond to me um, to make sure that, you know, we're still on the same page that you're interested in this? Because they gave you an agreed subject Man. line. So when someone says reach out in six months, that's not what I normally do yeah. um, to make sure that I can respond. Man, that's all. Oh, I love that one. Subject line. That's another one I'm going to add. <laughs> so, um, and also, yeah. what about like, because I've got this right now, I've got an opportunity that I've met him a couple of times. Um, so I went past, I did the cold call, but made the appointment and huge pressing need, right? Um, from a sales enablement perspective. And uh, they've gone, the, you know what, I'm, I'm not in a position to make any decision till April. And so, you know, what should I have said on the phone when he, when he pushed back? Should I have gone through that same thing? Okay, what's going to change between now and April? Or, you know, what would you have done? Okay, give me the context one more time. Yeah, so sales enablement project, it's around, you know, training of their, of their SDR team. Um, huge opportunities because the, you know, conversion rates are low, um, low capability and, and confidence. And uh, um, when, when presented with the solution, um, he said, yep, call me back next week so we can run through it. Called him back and he said, yeah, this sounds great, but not in a position to make a decision until April. How should I have responded? Okay, so you're saying you know there's low conversion rates? Yeah, I've done my discovery, low conversion. They're not utilizing scripts. You know, they're spending a bucket load on Salesforce. Um, 
and uh, yeah, they're just not getting the outcome that they they need. They should be getting a return, um, and they're not getting that that return on on their uh, investment. My question back would be, okay, so what's going to happen if you don't fix those conversion rates when I reach back out to you in April? Mm, that's a good. I mean, are you going to lose your job? Like, you yeah, know, like what's going to happen if we just wait around? Yeah. That's the question you got to ask. I mean, you did the discoveries. Now it's like, hey, what's going to happen? Yeah. And then if it's like, if he's like, hey, well, I might lose my job, then it's like, sounds like we need to talk today. Then yeah, yeah, that's a compelling. Or idea. or if it's or it could be just like, oh, it doesn't really matter. Okay, then there's nothing really compelling there. Then it, you just you're cool with having low conversion rates. It's fine. But my thing is, if you know that is a, if you know the solution fits. And you know, hey, look, this, like, just help me understand. I'm confused. Like, I got to figure out, like, what's going to happen if you don't change this? Because yeah. that does not sound like something you just coast on. Unless, hey, then you can be, hey, look, I'm confused. Maybe you found something else between now and whenever we talk. Yeah. That's fine. But if there is no solution, then help me understand what you're going to do. Because that's not good if you just can continue with and can be complacent with low conversion rates. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Another one. Mate, you're giving me so many pills. I've got so many notes here. I'm going to... um. You know, we're gonna make we make it a bucket load of appointments over the next few months, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let's go sales cadence. Um, you know, talk to us about you know what a good cadence process looks like when trying to uh, hunt down opportunity, you know, new prospects on the phone. So I have a multi-touch cadence: uh, social, email, phone. My very first touch is LinkedIn personalized note. Yep. Um, don't know how green want me to go on this, but I got five emails. You have five emails, five phone calls, one or two social touches. It completely depends. Like if they connect with me, I might send them a LinkedIn voice message. So I don't know if you guys know about that, but that's something that I use. Oh, I can we up that multiple times? Can we just pause that? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know about that. Link- so LinkedIn voice message. Link- can you tell us a bit more about Yeah, that? LinkedIn voice message. So like if you have the iPhone, you know that the voice message, right? Ah, okay. Well I'm using Android. Is it still okay with Android? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I'm going to check Can't that out. That for you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, so we've got... <laughs> I don't know if it's an Android. Well, LinkedIn voice message. So we can actually, what, record a voice message and then send it through LinkedIn. Yep, that's I do that a lot. And that's how I schedule a lot of my meetings. Oh, man, that is sick. All right, so I've got to jump on that. Okay, so we've got LinkedIn voice message. And uh, so you've got, yep. you got your five emails on your cadence. Um, do you have sort of a gap in between, like what's the gap in between emails? It's very heavy in the beginning. So it's like day one, day two, day three, day four. And those are four activities in one week okay. um, that I'm hitting you with. Yep. And then it starts, and then it starts elongating. I think it's like day five, day seven, day 10, yeah. day 12, day 14, day 15, day 18, day 20. I think that's how it's predicated. Yep. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. So business days, yeah, that's like a month and a half of me reaching out to you. Yep. Yeah, it's about, yeah, 11 touches, okay. 11, 12 touches. So you've got those touches, so social. Um, do you utilize any social intelligence tools to pull mobile numbers? Not a social intelligence tool. I have a data tool that I use okay. to get direct dials. Okay, cool. What's the best tool, in your opinion, that helps during this prospecting stage? That's a that's a broad question. <laughs> like the best engagement tool, the best data yeah, tool. Yeah, like, like the, the best, best data tool because I use I use Lusha. Dialer. Oh, Dialer, yeah, okay. Lusha. Okay. Yeah, yep, and um, uh, another one called Seamless.ai, which is pretty cool. Yep, heard of them. Yeah, 
Um, and that gets me some emails and mobile numbers. So it just helps sort of, you know, cut through because I hate going through the gatekeeper. It's very hard for me to say which one's the best because like it depends on your situation. It depends on what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so I can't be like, this is the best. Someone asked me that question, like, what are the best tools? I'm like, I don't know your situation, <laughs> so I can't describe yeah. to you the right tool unless you tell me what's going on. Yeah. Because then if I tell you a tool, you're going to take my word for verbatim and then you're going to blame me. So <laughs> like, I'll be a damn Morgan. That's, <laughs> that's not happening. So my answer to that question is, these are these are only three things you need as a sales rep. That's what I tell people. It's really not people overcomplicated. There's so many tools and like, people get caught up in it. Yeah. I have a ton of tools, but thing is, like, I'm very comfortable with all the tools that I have. Yeah. And if you saw all the tools that I had on my on my like Google Chrome, it probably give you anxiety. But like, <laughs> I'm very comfortable in them because I use them on a daily basis. So, yeah. What are um, so but what are a couple of those tools for people? Three tools. Three tools. No, it's just three tools. CRM. There's CRM, a sales engagement tool, and data. That's all you need. You don't need anything else. Okay. So talk to us about sales engagement. Is that like prospect.io? Um, is it something like that or? Prospect.io, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, it's like a Zen, like a Zen prospector, like a sales loft, like an outreach, oh, okay. like a yes where. Yep. Yep. And then that's what a sales engagement. And then data tools, lead IQ, Zoom info, discover org, you know, you know all them. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. So three tools. Okay. So for those listening, if you haven't got, I hope most have a CRM, if you haven't got the next one, you know, the sales tool, the data tool, get onto it. Um, hey, just going back to Gatekeeper, when you have um, encountered a Gatekeeper, um, I, I'd love to hear your, you know, how you work through, you know, a, a personal assistant or an executive assistant um, when trying to get to the decision maker. Yeah, these are two different things. So two questions here. Are you talking about a gate? You want me to give examples of a Gatekeeper? Or do you want me to give an example of an executive assistant? So I guess that's two questions. Oh, right. and I, uh, Let's do both. So how well, would you approach a gatekeeper? Okay. Okay. Well, first of all, what objections am I getting with the gatekeeper before I answer the question? All right. So this one here. Um, does he know what this call's about? I always say I'm following up on an email. Hey. Okay. Fantastic. And then what's another one? Um yeah, okay. Well, that's that's a good one. That's 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 the main one that I get. Does he know what this call's about? All right. And so that, that I always say I'm following up on an email. Yeah. Oh, and the other one is he, is he expecting your call? Again, I always say, hey, I'm following up on an email. Okay. Um, and then normally I'll go into, a, hey, I, I actually was looking at your organization, and I go into like I only mention the trigger. Yeah. And I say, hey, that's the reason why I'm reaching up today. So that's why I'm you know asking for you to connect me with him. If you can do that, that would be great, please. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And then e yeah. EAPA, um, you know, w how do you work through them? This is critical. So this is super important. And a lot of people don't know this because they just maybe aren't privy to this information or treat them as a gatekeeper. Yep. The executive assistant is the most important person that you can talk to. Okay. Because they hold the calendar of the executive assistant. Yeah. And I actually was talking to Sierra last night and I was like, hey, you know, if I, I was because I was on the panel and I was telling him, hey, this is how I cold call. And he go, hey, these are actually great tips you have. But like if you're trying to get a hold of me, those won't work. And I was like, OK, so what would work? <laughs> he said, the only way you're really going to get a hold of me is that you have to be tight with my executive assistant because she's the one who's going to get you on my calendar. Like, yeah. I, I don't I said he does, I know what's going on, but not really. Like he said, that like <laughs> everything's predicated on her. <laughs> so he said, if you got really tight with my executive assistant, you would get a meeting for me. OK. And I was like. So more so what that means is 
you have to treat the executive assistant as if you're pitching the person that you're trying to pitch. Yeah. All right. So you've got to really make it. That's, yep. that's, that's it. So you just have to come in with, hey, you've done some actual research. You come in with a compelling reason and you are, you are pitching that person. Okay. Awesome. And um, I want to talk a bit about, you know, what are the non-negotiables when we are, um, when it comes to cold calling or prospecting, in your opinion? Non-negotiables are things you need to do or non-negotiables? Yeah, yeah, things you have to do, you know. What are the things that we must do all the time when prospecting? Multi-touch, that's important. Yep. You can't just do one channel. Okay. Uh, two, you have to understand what channel is bringing you the most results. People don't know what that is. They're just doing activities to do activities. Yep. Know what's actually getting you and predicating your results. Okay. Three, have a process every single week of what you're going to do. For me, every single week, I know what five accounts. Well, I have 240 accounts for the court, for the year. Yep. So that's five accounts per week. So I know each account that I'm reaching to per week and each contact I'm reaching out to per week. And each trigger in those accounts of what I'm going to use to predicate my message. Yeah. So it's a very like concrete process that's foundational, and I'm using it every single time. There's no debate. Okay. And then additionally, on top of that, you also have to understand like who you're reaching out to, persona base wise, and also what you're providing them as a whole. Like those are things you have to understand when you're prospecting that will make you more effective. Yeah. Okay. That's fantastic. And getting into yep. biggest influence in your career and why. From from what perspective? From a like sales, a book, like a, yeah, like a talk. From a sales perspective, is there anyone like that you've engaged with that you've gone, mate? You know, like for example, I love Anthony Nerino and Jeb Blunt and um, the likes of Jeffrey Gittimore. Are there are there anyone that you've encountered that have really impacted your sales career? Yeah, a couple of people. I want, I can't I can't give it to one person because yeah. uh, there's there's multiple reasons why I like them. So John Barrows, yeah. just because I work with him closely and I work obviously for him, right, right, right. So that to me, like he just gives me really good advice and he really has advocated for me and really believes in me. So yeah. that makes me more confident in my ability. And he teaches me stuff that I just I don't I haven't seen before. Yeah. So it makes me more knowledgeable. Um, Keenan, you probably yeah, seen him Keenan. on LinkedIn making videos. Yeah, yeah he, very straight to the point. But I mean, I got gap selling right over here, like right next to me. And I'm and I'm I'm almost I've been trying to read a book a week this year. Yep. But reading this book has almost made me change my mindset to only do a book a month okay. because of how much is in this book and how much I need to learn myself. And I've been using these tactics in the book and it's actually helped me out so much when it comes to selling. Um, and it's really stuff that I and in life, too. Like yeah. just reading this book really helps. So gaps um, and then also Kevin Dorsey, don't know if you're familiar with him. Kevin Dorsey to me has taught me just a ton of stuff and has seen gaps in my process that I myself haven't seen, which has been great. And then Ralph Barcy, I would say from a that sales standpoint, he's taught me a ton of stuff and he's just so he's just a knowledgeable dude. And every time I talk to him, I just get so many nuggets. So it's really cool. Okay. Awesome. Um, so yeah, so the, the gap selling is a good book. Yeah, I mean it's a fantastic book. Like I said, I I probably might just commit my entire February to it, or or that's pretty much what I do because it's because it, it's just it's just what we should all be thinking about that we don't think about. Yeah, you know, it's stuff that we just little stuff that we miss, and the little stuff that we miss, obviously, like you know, would not it's not going to get us where we need to yeah. go. Well, I'm just about to work through it, so yeah, I'm yeah. so excited that you said that because I've got Keenan um, coming up on the show, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm can't wait to get into this book. <laughs> you'll, you'll enjoy that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, mate, if you could go back in time and uh, and do it all again, you know, start your sales career again, what would you do differently? 
I don't know if I really would change anything because it's got me where I am today, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but if, cause it, because if I, cause if I changed it and I knew it, I wouldn't have created what I created. Yeah. So it would actually be a, a down incentive, but I guess if, Hey, look, if I really had to make the decision and answer you, I would have been, I would have been a better active listener before I would have like really just paid attention to what people were saying. Yeah. I think in sales, we are predicated towards our scripts Yeah. and we're, I know, hey, this is what we want to say, especially as an SDR. But the game changed for me when I just really it was just listening to people and I just could fit in the gaps of what they were trying to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Hey, just on that, um, scripts. How important is it to have a script when when getting on the phone? Do you believe in scripts, or you know, are you one that just? So we don't believe we don't believe in scripts. We believe in just having a talk track because uh, scripts is just like, hey, here you go, you know good luck. Yeah. We believe in like talk tracks and a foundation. And when, when you build on foundation, you can then add in your own verbiage and your own language to it. Okay. So talk, is that like, um, a bit of a, you talked about process that look a bit of a framework to say, you know, this is sec this sec a framework. Okay. I need yes. to cover X and all right. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. Mate, this has been awesome. I mean, I've, I've, I've got two pages of notes here that, um, you know, I'm going <laughs> to, <laughs> I'm going to use over the next, I like I'm on the phone. I, I try to get on the phone every week. I, I love it. Um, to, to keep myself fresh. Absolutely. Um, so where can, where can our listeners find more about you? Um, yeah, is it on LinkedIn? Cause we'll also share it in our show notes. Three easy places, uh, LinkedIn, Morgan, Morgan J. Ingram to the YouTube channel, which is the SDR Chronicles yep. and the podcast, which is the SDR Chronicles. And then we have a Facebook group. It's called the Make It Happen Facebook group. So there's a lot of valuable content going in there as well. So those are the three places to find me. And those are the three places to ask me questions. Oh, awesome, man. Well, I'll, this has been great. I uh, I have really enjoyed it. I really appreciate you jumping on our show. Um, and uh, yeah, I look forward to hopefully uh, getting you on again and talking about another topic. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate the time, man. No worries, man. Love that episode. You can feel Morgan's energy for life and his passion for what he does just oozes out of him. So what did you learn from this episode? What I learned is a guy who fell into a sales role decided he was going to become the best at his craft. Was it luck? Did he just show up one day and he was the best at what he did? No, he did it by trying different things until he figured out the perfect process that enabled him to achieve success. And now he's privileged to teach others how to do it. So my challenge for you this week is, how are you developing yourself? What process are you following? And how can you improve the process so that you can be the best sales professional you can be?